Sean Sewell with the Engagement.com podcast. Super excited to have on my favorite guest, Pat Flynn, for like the 4,000th time. Welcome back, Pat. Yeah, didn't you say this was our one-year podcast anniversary as well? It is. I look back, and um, our second or third podcast was on March 25th today. It's also my wife's birthday. And so both memories Happy pop. birthday. Thank you. That's Thank awesome. you. Let her know. Yeah, her nickname is Hot Dog. I'll say uh, Pat Flynn says, Happy birthday, Hot Dog. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask about that, but that's that's. Oh, great. it's a fun story. It's not as as vulgar as it might sound, but <laughs> well, you know, you've seen the movie Hot Dog, the ski movie. No, I haven't. Mm-mm. Me neither. I'm aware of it though. So okay. basically, the the premise of hot dogging is like showboating or like showing off, right? Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Our first trip to Costco, she uh, carried almost everything into one trip. Now we don't live far away from where we park, and I thought it was. You know, showboating. So I said, you know, hot dog. And she told the story to her family, and that's how nicknames stick. Wow. There's a lot of great things about that. First off, have you have you had the hot dog at Costco? <laughs> I have not. I've seen the line for it. Is it worth checking it's, out? It's, I mean, it's incredible. It's like, it's like what, $1.50? It's a gigantic wow. hot dog. It's, it's very good. But secondly, I appreciate um, hot dog's attitude. I'm, I'm quite the same way, especially when it comes to bringing anything in from the car. I have a one-trip rule. Really? Yeah, it doesn't matter how inconvenient or how ridiculous. I'm only going from the car to my house one time. That's it. Well, I'll let her know that she's definitely in the same uh, vein as you. That's fantastic. It's like the loaded carry of all loaded carries. It feeds you. It loads the core. Right. Effective. That's, that's why we train the loaded carry. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I dig it. Well, speaking of loaded carries, um, to create Dan John for loaded carries, I, I just got done doing my group class. We did uh, suitcase carry, rack carry, waiters carry, nice. uh, and then the heartbeat carry. Ever do the heartbeat carry? Yeah, that's a great one, really. Yeah, um, yeah. Very much underutilized, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Well, speaking of uh, of Dan John, I just got done listening to your last episode with him, and I really like one of the takeaways was the positive stress and the distress. Like the, um, can you speak a little bit about how you guys perceive that? Yeah, we. So the context for the gentle listener was we were talking about what were we talking? Was it fasting? I think it was fasting, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, a number a number of times people will um, say they don't fast because when they did fast, it was um, it was it was too much, right? It was too stressful, and it just caused them to go completely haywire, and they got hangry, and they almost killed their spouse, and and like these terrible stories, right? And this this. Um, and I think this is a bad reason not to fast. I think, but I think it is a good reason to think about how you fast, right? So there's been a lot of really good research on fasting, like these past 20 years. And um, uh, one piece of research that was published in Cell Metabolism not all too long ago actually showed that fasting has physiological benefits, um, independent or irrespective of weight loss. So even if you don't want to lose weight, even if you're not using it as a way of losing weight. Fasting still just comes with just a sort of unique set of, of, of health benefits, right? So it's 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 unique in that sense that uh, because and the reason that's important, I'll get to the stress thing in a minute. But the reason that's important is because a lot of times people said, well, fasting is only helpful because it helps you lose weight, for example. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, we have clear evidence against that. Like even irrespective of weight loss, fasting seems to be a healthy uh, sort of uh, just therapeutic thing to do. And part of that is because when done right, it is, to me, very similar to exercise in as much as it provides a eustress. And a eustress, um, simply put, 
It's just a stress that um, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you st stronger kind of stress, right? It's a stress that we impose a specific demand on our bodies. Our body responds to that demand. It adapts to the demand, and we experience benefits from it. We become more resilient. We become harder to kill. We become healthier. We become stronger. So it's, it's like exercise in a sense. But what you – so it's not just um, – fasting and it, that matters it's it's also how you fast and there's a parallel to exercise that obviously people can and have wrecked themselves from exercising before because they've taken something that otherwise can and should be a use stress and they've done it too much they took on too much too soon uh, and it became a distress where the stress that you couldn't you can't keep up with the stress you can't recover or appropriately respond from the stress so then it starts to have overall negative implications right and most people associate this with with overtraining and all the symptoms that come from that but it can be more severe i mean people have literally worked themselves out to the point of death before now that that's, that's like the very far end of the extreme, but it it, it, it drives the point, right? Like uh, how you do something really makes a difference of whether or not that thing is a, is a good stress or a bad stress. So that was the context of the conversation. I don't know if that answers your question or not. Uh, it does, yeah. And I think it's really important to, to – um, we talk about this quite a bit about um, the virtues of – uh, stress of, of, you know, struggle. And I think there's a positive amount of stress. Um, like you said, exercise is a great example of that or challenging your, your, this muscle between your ears, uh, those kinds of stresses, but obviously too much like overtraining and ripping out parts of your body, getting injured, getting sick, um, run down. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a healthy balance. So I, yeah. I yeah. And same thing with, with like, look, if you are already stressed from work and, um, by the way, how do you like the new call center headset that I have? Is it – it's like beeping in my ear. Is it beeping in your ear? I just want to no, make sure. Okay, good. All right. If it's just me, then we won't worry about it. It's just, it's call yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready to take your customer service calls. <laughs> awesome. So, all right, back to the point. If um, if somebody already has a crazy stressful job, you know, your boss is breathing down your neck over the project that has a huge deadline – um, you're, you know, the crazy is just stressful household. You know, you've got a, a million kids. Um, you're exercising really intensely. Uh, your cat just died. And all these other things are just pressing in on you at the same time where you're just kind of you're, you're kind of at your break point already. Mm -hmm. Probably I'm not going to say that you should begin in, a, you know, a 24 hour, three times a week fasting regimen because even if you could do that in other circumstances where that might be a use stress, now in combination with everything else, you've just you've just taken on too much, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not. I, I want to like broaden the conversation too because it's not even just uh, how you apply the exercise or how you apply the fasting. It's also the context in which it is applied that matters, right? So even for the same person, just at different stages and seasons of life and in different circumstances. The way you apply something could you could get a positive response for it in one season of your life, and a very negative response in another season just because of all the other factors that are pressing in or not pressing in. Um, so yeah, I mean, just everything's connected and everything matters, and that was something we brought up in the conversation with Dan. It is well put too, and it's true. Like I've done intermittent fasting for a long time. In the back in September, um, I was handling a lot more stress, and it it didn't do me a favor, so I stopped doing it. Today, I'm still fasting right now, and it's one p.m. Mountain Time. Because um, I'm, I'm in a good spot. I'm in a great spot. Yeah. So yeah, why not? Yeah, same thing. I had a long fast yesterday, a moderate fast today. Um, 
But I mean, the funny thing is, is like, this is obvious when it comes to exercise. So why isn't it obvious when it comes to nutrition and fasting? Like most people will be like, you know what? Um, I was super stressed back in October and the uh, 20 rep uh, squat routine just absolutely killed me. Um, so now I've decided I'm never exercising again. It's like, you'd be like, what? Wait, what? No, 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 no. Like maybe you just don't do that style of exercise for a while, but like surely – Surely there's some type of movement or exercise that you could do that makes sense for where you're at. And I see nutrition the same way. It's just like it, we, we have intensity dials on all aspects of our life um, and not just intensity dials, but like frequency dials and duration dials. And for me, it's just like we know these can be good things. We know they are good things. Um, it's just a matter of where should the dials be set given where we are, what are what our goals are. So it's not like – do this or not do that. That seems a little too simplistic for me. It's it's how should I be doing this? How should I be exercising? How should I be incorporating some type of dietary restraint? Right. Um, it's not a matter of, of if it's just it's just a question of how. I dig it. That's great advice from Pat Flynn. Literally wrote the book on it. <laughs> Done. One, Done. one of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great advice. Speaking of books, um, tagged in a picture a little bit ago. Mm. Yeah, your book came in. What a fun read. I, I love the way he talks. In it's way, it's way a read. really fun. It's a very fun book. Um, yeah. And it's a great book. By the way, for people who are just listening, he, he, you were holding up the prized possession there of the original Russian kettlebell challenge by Pavel. I feel like I have helped sort of um, make that make that book cool again or pop. I've seen a lot of people uh, yeah. getting it after I've mentioned it a number of times, which yeah. is which I'm happy to do because I think it's one of Pavel's best books even though it's one of his his earliest yeah uh, i think 2003 is it right it's mm. it's it's holdish yeah february yeah 2003 you know what i appreciate besides the way he writes um is and i talked to doc cardle who's going to be on the show next week um who's uh master sfg he does the barbell certification for strong first is how many revisions in the evolution of the teaching um even looking in the book i was like we don't teach that way anymore or do a lot of those things but um, and the SFG last one I did, I think it's like the 25th or 26th revision. And it's, it's cool. Like what's your take on the evolution of coaching, teaching, exercising, um, and best practices? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, I, I once heard somebody, um, say that they didn't want to write a book because they didn't want to be, um, stuck to what they said in the book at the time. Yeah. And, uh, I wasn't – I could understand where they're coming from because of the point that you made, but but I wasn't satisfied with that because to me it's just like, well, write another book. Right? <laughs> like like I've certainly done that, um, and, and I think that that's, that should be expected, and I think that any reasonable charitable reader uh, will have that expectation as well that, okay, Pat Flynn or Pavel wrote this book 10 years ago. Should I automatically assume that he thinks exactly the same things now as he did 10 years ago? Probably not, but yeah. at the same time, we would hope that I wasn't – where Pavel wasn't like completely off either, you know. You know, I mean, like maybe maybe that's the case, but but certainly let's use Pavel, I think, because he's a he's he's a better example because he is he is wonderfully and beautifully consistent mm -hmm. in the general principles, and I think this is this is he's just a great example of a great coach of somebody who has been consistent with these principles that we we know are effective and we know are true, but through continued research. Uh, training, a personal experience, coaching, however many thousands of people Pavel has coached at this time, he's always refining how those principles are applied mm -hmm. on the practical day-to-day. -day. So there's this, there's this evolution and refinement 
yet there's this consistency. And like to me, that's that's the like that's a mark of 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 a wise person and a wise coach, as opposed to somebody who just like jumps from one radical idea to the next radical idea to the and there's like no consistency that that to me is like a charlatan somebody who's just after gimmicks right (laughs) um or there's the other person who just says one thing 25 years ago and there's been no evolution or no refinement that's a little suspicious to me too because it's like really you had it all figured out (laughs) that's then yeah like 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 there's like not even just a hair of refine like that's just like again maybe that's the case but but generally Uh i don't think that's you know humans aren't like quite that perfect usually right so the reason i bring this up and it's a great question and and this is really meant to be just high praise and a compliment to pavel is what you see in the evolution of pavel's work to me just speaks of a man um uh, who is a very wise man, who is a very wise coach. And it's the sort of thing that you would expect of somebody who is constantly seeking to refine their craft, but really cares about getting the core fundamental principles right. And I think if you just get Pavel's books, you'll see exactly that type of evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well stated. Uh, I've had the opportunity and privilege of working with him uh, at our gym, actually, and watching him directly coach people from the audience. So, like you said, just refined. Observe, two cues, a new PR for that person, you know, just so precise. Yeah. <laughs> so, so precise. Uh, speaking of Pavel, and I, uh, you're the first person I'm sharing this with. Um, we're going to do a strong endurance at our gym in Denver in November. Uh, Pavel's going to be here. So if you very, very cool. Denver and play N64, some golden eye, I'm just saying, dude, I will bring the N64 down with you now because I just, yeah. I just, Oh, you know, cause you saw me post on Facebook. Yeah. I just ordered one and, um, so yeah, I'll have some time to practice. So you better be you better be ready. Uh, it's not me. It's hot dog you got to worry out for. She we actually have an N64 and she is lethal. I so. you know my one worry is like of course like you like like I'm sure you do like I have all this nostalgia because mm-hmm. like the N64 like I grew up with it right so like I hope it holds up right like I hope I hope this doesn't ruin my childhood you know going yeah. back to it uh huh. Now you're going to love it. In fact, speaking of nostalgia, there's a thing called Raspberry Pi. Have you heard of this? Mm-hmm. Little computer? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're really cheap. You can get them on Etsy and you can get an emulator um, program. And so maybe four or five years ago, probably four years ago, I purchased one for my wife on Etsy because we wanted to play like Mario Kart. And you can't find Mario Kart unless you have that specific system. So mm-hmm. I found Raspberry Pi, 80 bucks on Etsy, came with 14,000 games all the way from Atari through N64. And they play well. They play fantastic. There's like three hundred fourteen thousand. It's not just English. There's Japanese. There's German. There's French. Wow. But still, let's call it let's call it five thousand U.S. games. You'll it's never like, play all those. No, that's four thousand nine hundred ninety-five more than I know. Right. So, yeah. It, it's speaking of nostalgia. When I first came in, we got a, a mini keg of beer. Had all my friends over. And we're just playing like dirt, you know, enduro bike and all the old ones, Castlevania. It was fun. Uh, you're going to really enjoy it. You know, it. I, I am, I, I've always been a gamer, right? Um, I grew up on video games. I, I don't game as much as I used to just because you got other projects, right? <laughs> but um, the idea of retro gaming really appeals to me because I don't know if this interests your audience at all, but like new games are just, they're such a freaking investment, man. Like the tutorials are a hundred hours long and you got to like grind to get all this treasure. And like, I'm a treasure guy. Like you show me there's a little bit of treasure. I got to have all the treasure, right? So I don't want to get... Don't put me in that situation because it's not healthy for me, right? But like the old games, like you just hop in, you shoot a rocket launcher, 
Yeah. <laughs> you blow your friends and that and that's done, right? And it's not this like huge investment. And there also just seemed to be a much more I don't know, more inventiveness and originality. Like when's the last time somebody invented a Kirby, you know? <laughs> I don't know where Sonic I you're going to love it. Like you, I stopped with games after N64. Like you, I don't want to invest the time. Somebody gave me an Xbox and I, I used it for like half an hour. I'm like, this is not for me. I'd rather go look at the a tree outside. And and not only that, but older games, especially like on like the original Nintendo, but even Super Nintendo, they were decidedly more difficult. Like you had to like, you had to learn. <laughs> like you, you had to step your game up if you had any chance of beating a number of those games. Like some of them are notoriously difficult. I like that. Oh, yeah. uh, a lot of the newer games are just too, they're too babyish. They just hold your hand too much. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good insight. And I'm sure that resonates with a lot of people out there. Uh, my favorite game was the one you can cheat, Contra million lives contra was notoriously difficult you had to cheat you had to cheat to even get past the first level <laughs> hilarious yeah uh, well yeah if you practice uh, we'll host you hot dog will Sweet. kick both our butts at goldeneye it's cheat. on it's on yeah. <laughs> it's a mandate this is good stuff so what are you cooking up over there what am i cooking up over here that's a good question so i've been playing around yeah your your uh, listeners might be interested in this and this kind of like swing swing other thing routine yes and uh, you know me i'm always trying to cook up some like new new minimalist uh, uh protocol mm-hmm. and this um this came about when i was experimenting with um just imam routines you know i'm a big fan of the every minute on the minute um type of routines uh, they're they're just so versatile right like you sure. can um uh so just background if people are unfamiliar the idea of an imam routine every minute on the minute is is pretty much what it sounds like that you do some exercise at the top of every minute for some x number of minutes right and you can of course vary this you could just do uh one exercise like maybe you're just doing double clean and press you know going pretty low rep just doing like somewhere between like one to five reps and then you just do it for five to ten minutes so you can get in a pretty good amount of volume with this stuff um with and there's a lot of like there's just a lot of cool ways um to cook this and what i like about the imam thing is it kind of makes you be creative because if you fix one variable in programming uh it forces you to think about okay how am i going to manipulate the other variable so if i'm if i'm working on like some heavier presses but i know i have to work at the top of every minute like that's fixed okay um maybe i'll waive the load in terms of reps so maybe i'll i'll do like three reps on minute one one rep on minute two uh, five reps on minute three, two, re- you see what I'm saying? Like, and just kind of like wave it like that. And, and I think that's a really um, interesting exercise for coaches, but it also makes for a great training session and workout as well. It's also just makes you be efficient. Cause you know, like, okay, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, here we go. This is the routine. Um, so all that aside, I've been uh, messing around with uh, a variation on this that I've just found to be just ever so lovely, Sean. And it's it's called swing swing other thing. And the idea, the reason I got that name is because you, um, at the, at so for example at the at at minute one you'll do a set of two hand swings. Minute two you'll do a set of two hand swings, and then minute three you'll practice some other thing. So it's like a two to one swing to other thing ratio for this, and you repeat it for however many minutes, right? Maybe maybe it's as little as six minutes. Maybe you go up to thirty minutes. So there can be ranges there. And there's just something nice about that two to one ratio of just the swing, swing, other thing. It just feels really good, especially when you make the other thing some type of like upper body grinding or or strength exercise. So a a good example might be um, swing, swing uh, with a press ladder. So every time you get to the press, maybe you start at one rep 
each side. So at minute three, you do one press right, one press left. Uh, once you get to minute six, when your backup presses again, it'd be two right, two left. And so maybe you go up to like five presses. So you could go fairly heavy with the presses and get a good um, strength hit there, but also the kind of all the benefits that come with the swing accumulation as well. And what I've been recommending to people and what people have seemed to be getting a lot out of is just setting floors and ceilings, both to the routine and the exercises. So, um, so a floor would be like for the entire routine, okay, I'm going to do at least six minutes. Like that's the floor, no matter what. Uh, and then I have a ceiling, but no more than 30 minutes. And then every set of swings, I'm going to hit at least five reps, but no more than 10 reps. Or every set of presses, I'm going to hit at least two reps, but no more than five reps. And the idea is to always stay somewhere between the floor and ceiling. So it allows for some, and this was a principle I was talking with Jeff Newport about not too long ago. It allows for auto-regulation, right, and, and variation. Yeah. That was a great episode, by the way, Jeff's man. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, Jeff's a great guy, really just a joy to chat with. So, you know, you go in and – Maybe you're like 12 minutes in and you're like you're just barely above the floor and then you fall below the floor. Okay, you're done. That's it. That was a good training session. So you just you just cut it there. Um, and, you know, maybe one, one day a week you train um, and it's just 15 minutes. Maybe that's Monday. Maybe Wednesday it's 30 minutes. Maybe Friday it's it's 12 minutes or even six minutes could be pretty short. Yeah. So, you know, a, a kind of just just a lot of room for specialized variety. Uh you know, I'm always trying to serve people who are just looking for something that's going to be efficient, effective, uh, don't have to do a lot of thinking, like just just tell me what to do, coach, send me in and, and help me get it done. So that's what I've been cooking up. I don't know if that that's interesting at all, but mm -hmm. delicious. I like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been fun. I love it. So I've been doing just personally, the routine of choice for me is to do it with swings and dips. So swing, swing, oh. dip, swing, swing, dip. I just I love that combination. I've always loved dips in general, but it just works. And you know, sometimes I'll just do body weight dips, mm -hmm. and those are pretty easy for me. So I can you know I can consistently hit like eight to twelve uh, per um, set on that. Uh, other times you just you just load them up so you can vary the load. You know, maybe you have a heavy dip day. Uh, a light dip day, moderate. Um, so there's I, just a lot of ways you could spin it or cook it, depending on what you want to get out of something like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I dig it. I didn't know you're a dip guy. I used love to it. love dips. I like dips and pulls my favorite thing ever. Uh, that that thing I flashed on the camera, I got from doing dips, weighted dips. Like you said, overdoing it wasn't in my body. I think I was full of ephedrine and caffeine and aspirin too, like that crazy ECA. Pack. Mm -hmm. So so sloppy. I was probably trying to impress a girl too at the same time. Just a, a plethora of bad decision making. Dips uh, are my hot dog lift, by the way, because <laughs> they're the lift that I am savagely good at. Like I'm very, very strong at dips. You'll never see me showing off at something like the bench press because there's nothing to show off, right? Um, which is interesting. Like there's just there just seems to be for me anyways zero carry over there. Um, like you can load me up with dips with all the plates in the gym and I'll keep going. Um, but not so at all with anything like a barbell bench press. So very, very strong at dips. I'm pretty strong at military press, but like classic bench press is one of my weakest lifts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'll uh, admit that as well. I'm not the best at uh, push-ups, no problem. Um, other variations right. of, of pressing overhead, like you said, or with the TR, I love it. Bench press, not my cup of tea. I'll, I have to do it sometimes, especially for testing for SFL, but uh, not my most enjoyable movement at all. With you. Mm-hmm. Dips, man, I miss dips. Actually, um, Pavel recommends dips. So in summary of The Quick and the Dead, which is one of my favorite books by him, I am got that, of course, right there. And um, basically, it's kind of like your program. It's 
it's not every minute on the minute, it's basically every three minutes. Um, and it is, it's the swing or the snatch and then either dips or push up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so you, yeah, you would get a kick out of that real minimalist, real good stuff. Yeah. Push-ups are push like, that's one of my go-tos where, um, you know, if, if the day just doesn't go according to plan, but I still need to get a workout in swings and push-ups always, always dig, a go-to. Mm-hmm. Dig it, dig it. Well, that's a really tasty program you're cooking up over there for sure. Yeah, man. What have you been cooking up? Uh, you know what? It's back to embarrassingly bad uh, technique. I was revisiting my mountain fitness school. Uh, I was going to relaunch it, and I was watching me do the mobility drills, and I was like, oh, because I went through Flexible Steel with Matthew Flaherty um, back in September, and I realized my form had opportunity. And I've put hundreds of people through that course, and I was like, you know what? I need to redo it. So I'm going to reshoot that, make it a mountain fitness school 2.0. It's super simple things like I have my hand uh, facing up in the backhand for the Egyptian when I should have been facing down. Little minutia, little details. Yes, right? Yeah, uh-huh. but they haunt me. You know, I want to present a very good product, and I'm like, I've since learned quite a bit, and I want to recalibrate it, reoffer it, and of course, uh, newer camera, new microphones and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. that's a fun project. That's cool. First off, I love the Egyptian. I also love the old member, the teacup drill. Don't spill oh, the, the teacup. Yeah. I love the teacup drill. Yeah. If people don't know the teacup drill, you have to kind of see the video. But the idea is you're supposed to hold the teacup, right? Mm-hmm. Bring it through your armpit, around, over your head, all without spilling the tea, keeping the keeping the palm up. That's that's one of my favorite, just shoulder mobility. Oh, that's great. Uh, if, if you watch the video, that was a really good demonstration. You, don't watch me do it. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I haven't actually tried it with a hot cup of tea yet, but I'd actually feel fairly – I'd slow it down a bit, but I feel like I might be able to do it. Oh, you would nail it for sure. Uh, speaking of mobility drills, what are some of your favorite ones to get like a quick – I know you're minimalist. What's your quick hit? Get mobilized before you get after it. Yeah, that's good. Well, hey, teacup drill right there. I mean mm-hmm. and the cool thing about something like that is like you can just uh, – people will look at you funny. Um they but you can you can do it at the grocery store, right? Um, yeah, the- no, <laughs> yeah. So what do I like? I like um, uh, bottom of squat. Just squat sits are great, hangs are great, crawls are great. I think those oh. three things, and then add a little. So people ask me about like what's a good minimalist warm up. So I would say. I would say two things to that. One, have a good like kind of global activation warm-up routine. I like some type of combination of jumping rope, just good, just stimulates you, right? Gets the heart rate up. Hanging, crawling, squatting, some variations therein, right? Maybe throw in some planks. Um, and then, of course, if like something's really tight, just stretch it, right? Just old school, right? It's like, yeah. wow, my hips are really tight today. Okay, maybe I should do some frog stretches or some hip Ooh, flexor stretches, frog. right? So – the idea of the general kind of global routine is it's just um, it helps you assess, helps you diagnose, just helps turn things on. So crawling, squatting, hanging, jumping rope, that sort of thing. Just a couple minutes doesn't need to be um, you know extensive by any means, uh, but you know get you stable where you need to be stable, get you mobile where you need to be mobile. Maybe some light get ups, another good option there. Yeah. Um, but then I also like to say whatever is on the menu that day, you better do a couple prep sets, right? So if like you got pressing on the menu and then let's do some sets of light pressing so this so you go from the kind of global or general to the specific warm-up that's that's my approach if you and you know keeping both as minimalist as possible because i don't know man i think people get overboard with some things and it's like people there was this phase i think we're through this phase now where people would do like 57 minutes of corrective exercises and then like three minutes of an actual workout it's like it seems that seems a little backward. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Like, so me, I am, okay, what do we need to do to get turned on? Make sure, you know, to, to maybe f- if something is, is going to give us an issue, we'll be able to flag it and address it. 
So some type of general global movement routine and then um, just prep whatever you got that day specifically. Yeah, I, think it's I, dig it. I dig it a lot. And the teacup. And the teacup, yeah. <laughs> For sure. But also just like make sure you're moving frequently. And, you know, this is – you know, I'm guilty of it too just because I'm at the computer. But uh, just move. Squat throughout the day. Get in the hip flexor position. Um, walk as much as you can. Um, just uh, you yes. really just you know it's so hard to you know make up for all the time spent sitting. So my best but not entirely feasible advice is just try to move more throughout the day as much as you can. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah, that's good advice. And walking. Oh, I love walking. It's just a great excuse to just move. Go walk and, and find you know find the way find ways to walk. I haven't found a way to walk in podcasts yet, but I'm 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 very oh, I'm gonna figure that out because I spend so much time podcasting that it just seems ridiculous at this point how much I sit. Um, but certainly, whenever I have calls, you know, uh, consulting or coaching calls, like I almost always take them on a walk. You know, oh, that's genius. I I just got the AirPods Pro, and um, they do a really good job of blocking out the sound. I only do one at a time. Yep. Yeah, take a lot of calls that way. And yep. to your point about podcasting, check this out. Hold on one second. I have your solution, Pat, and I can't wait to hear you do this. So, wireless microphone. You can go right to either your phone or um, whatever you're going to record on. And then it's, nice. it's the same brand as this. It's Rode. It's legit. I did a tutorial on it. Um, it works really well, Pat. And then you can walk, talk, and podcast. That would be perfect. I'm, yeah, send me a link to that stuff as well, you have many other things before because if I can just <laughs> – I don't care how ridiculous I look walking through my neighborhood, right? I get like the selfie stick with the camera. <laughs> just walking yeah. podcast machine. Yeah, I love it. Uh -huh. Oh, I will tune in for that, especially if it's on video. Yep, that's for sure. Uh, you can even do it like a GoPro. You know, They have a medium mount and they sense over a GoPro. And I actually shoot – I shot three podcasts while splitboarding this last two months. Really? Yeah. All so, right. That's super interesting. And, yeah. and you just like – just it goes right into the GoPro and then that's and that's it. Yeah. And I make my like 15, 20-minute episodes just so I'm not like – because I am exercising. Like I'm, I'm skiing uphill, that thing that you make fun of that I love doing. I'm skiing uphill. I'm out of breath. And, uh, but the, I bet you are. Yeah. It's, it's great exercise. But the, the visuals are amazing. And, um, yeah, the GoPro will record it. And I, I just do it in 1080. I don't need to do 4K. And then, um, yeah, nobody's going to watch it in 4K. And then um, there's a podcast. Super – I would love to see your podcast, what you're doing walking around. Yeah, you know, and I'm not joking. Like I spend an inordinate amount of time just podcasting every week. And it mm -hmm. catches up to you, man. Like the hips get tight. The back gets sore. And yeah. I'm like I need, to, I need to figure something out with this. So taking at least some of the episodes on the go would seem like a very interesting solution. I wonder if you can get Dan John to do it. You both are walking and talking and podcasting at the same time. Yeah, it's kind of ironic because we talk about how important walking is as we're sitting. Yeah, it is. The time. But that's what we have to work with right now until that fixed GoPro, Road Wireless, boom. Boom. Pat Flynn podcast on the road. Oh, sweet. Pat Flynn Roadshow. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Oh, I, I dig it. Oh, this is fun. What about music? What, uh, I've checked out a lot of your most recent music. It's really good. Uh, the last track had vocals, right? I've got two up now, two new ones this year with vocals. Um, Save Me and For the Love and the Glory. Sweet. Mm -hmm. 
I'll put links below for your SoundCloud. Yeah, yeah, we were rocking and rolling. So I don't sing. I, I'm not the singer. Uh, so before anybody starts flat, I think the guy is a very good singer, but he isn't me. I just do the I do the instruments, <laughs> specifically the guitar, right? So I write the um, I write the tunes. I lay the tracks down, and then I just send it all to um, the singer, and he he does the vocals, and then sends it back and. Usually he does a very nice job and we don't have to go back and forth. And then I send it out to my three adoring fans all over the world. Hey, four. <laughs> four? We're yeah. growing. Right, yeah. Taking out the load. Last podcast, we talked about your process. Um, so basically you hire people that you have not met to do the drums and do the vocals and you, you drop right. it to them? And then yes, right. Yeah, so it's my virtual band. Um I don't even know the name of some of these people. In fact, I just learned the name of one of them recently um, because he, he just – he's like, we've been working together for a long time, and I feel like we should just get on Skype. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> right? um, but no, so that's it, right? So I do I, – I, like I say, I write the songs. I record uh, the guitar usually just to a click, mm -hmm. um, and then um, I could do the bass, but I don't want to, so I just outsource that, and um, – same thing with the uh the drums people will hear that they're that they're programmed uh, if they've if i mean it's not hard to hear programmed drums but i think they sound pretty good at some point i'll probably have an actual drummer get in and, and uh lay something down with a real kit um and then yeah and then the singer and then um that's that's it so the vocals go on last it's guitar first just just the raw guitar tracks then we fill it in with the uh, with the programmed uh, beats and then the vocals. Yep. Mm -hmm. What a what a cool virtual setup there. Like I would never have guessed how many times that we've jammed in like jam practices and bands and stuff back in the day to now be able to just do it in your. Are you using the SG? I'm assuming. Yeah, I got my SG. It's just it's just out of reach right there. I got my SG. I've got the other one is over there. My um, my Nuno, but uh, mostly the SG. I just I it just it just it does it for me, man. It's it's tone, it's feel. I mean, I can go I can go faster on the Nuno, but I'm an old fat dad these days, so I don't feel the need to go as fast as I as I did when I was like 16, 17. You know. Mm -hmm. Well, for what's worth, uh, pack and shred. Uh, it's <laughs> impressive. I actually found a cool practice amp from Boss. My friend turned me on to it. Um, the Katana. Have you heard of this one? Uh, no, I used to. I have had a number of just. Is it like one of those like really tiny guys that you can even power with like a D battery? Exactly. So it's portable. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a few of those throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, my, my Australian person virtually, and he got out that and his SG. Imagine that, and it had the crunch, and then it had the brown noise. It was it was really good. I'll have to check that one out. I had a Marshall one for a while, and it sounded pretty good. Um, but then I just I realized I I just don't really need it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because <laughs> I just I just I don't travel that much, and when I do travel, it's usually for a short enough time that I'm not too worried about bringing the guitar, anyways. Mm -hmm. That's fair. And when when I go camping, which is once a week, um, I usually take an acoustic. But now the ability to take an electric with a little practice—that's that's cool. That's pretty that's cool. Yeah, pretty yeah cool. there's there's something cooler about the electric guitar around the campfire. I've never done it yet. I'm super excited to, to do it. Hopefully, mm -hmm. next week or so. There's a company called Dometic. Um, they're out of I think the out of Europe, and they make like high end glamping. I'd call it. So like instead of having your uh, igloo or Coleman cooler, it's like this uh, refrigerator. Like it has a, a system, and it sounds like ridiculous and overkill, 
but uh, you don't have to ever buy ice, and you don't have like your sandwich sitting in soggy water the next day, kind of thing. You have, you have to nice. Yeah. So I have to say, the idea of glamping in general really appeals to me. Oh, we'll glamp it up, man. I'll I'll hook you up. Yeah, I, gl- glamping really appeals to me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the it's the easiest way for me to get people into the outdoors with all the amenities we used to, like an electric guitar, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you can, if you can camp with an electric guitar, you're going to be, clamping. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. Right. For sure. That's good stuff. Oh, this is fun, Pat. This is really fun. Um, are you, so do you have any more songs you're writing currently? Yeah. So I already have a number of tracks down. Um, if you go on my SoundCloud, you'll actually be able to hear, uh, and I guess the kind of cool thing about my SoundCloud is you hear my stuff in development. So you'll hear like the tracks originally without the vocals. And then later, once the vocals are on, I'll put the vocal track up so you can go back and kind of like hear the different iterations. So I think I have like maybe three or four other ones up there right now that are still just the guitar that I need to get the vocals on. So that's that's where we're at. Um, and my goal, my goal was to have five new songs this year. Uh, so I'm done on my end. I hit that. I hit that goal. I just need to get the the vocals to them. In the first quarter. That's a right. Point. Yeah, we like. That's how you got to do things, man. Like if you set a goal, uh, maybe it's just me and my obsessive personality. But it's just like, I don't know, man. I always, uh, it's just, it's just attack it, attack it, attack it till it's, until until it's, until it's dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> until it's dead. More than yeah. that. It's well done. It's- yeah, I'm the same way with books, right? When it's books, it's just like it's 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 all in, and then it's pivoting, right? So I don't usually try and do more than one big thing at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have usually multiple, fairly decent sized things I want to get done throughout the year, but I'll have always one big thing I'm working on, and that is the like primary object of my attention. And so at the beginning of this year, it was it was um, the music. Now it's a book. So I got the music done. I'm, I am done with the book now, essentially at this point, and um, and that'll be and that was that was my other goal for this for for twenty twenty one. So we're we're doing all right this year, Sean. We're doing we're not doing too bad. Mm-hmm. Great, Pat. It's only March. Yeah. Now to be fair, with the book, it's a philosophy book. Is um, I have a co-author, so it was only half a book technically. I had to write, and um, a lot of the stuff. I have had versions and drafts of uh, of just other articles and stuff that I've written. So it was largely a matter of just kind of recompiling, reshaping, adding some content here or there, and then like just like two new chapters. So it wasn't it wasn't like as as crazy of a people shouldn't be that impressed by what I just said. Is what I'm, <laughs> what I'm thinking. Of. Very much was it wasn't the most difficult book I've had to write. Mm-hmm. Well, it's nice you have uh, material already created that you can bring into something. And right. I think that's really important too for people creating content, whether it is writing or shooting videos or creating courses, is like that evergreen material. It's nice that you can keep reusing it. You don't have to keep creating stuff every day, brand new. People people need to think about that a lot more because that has been like one of my, um, I guess, productivity tips, if you will, is that um, whenever I do something, I always do it with the idea that will I be able to use this again in some capacity in the future, right? Whatever that is. So, I mean, blogging is a great example. It's just like blogging for me is an ideas board. Um, sometimes a lot of a lot of the articles I've written, a lot of the stuff in the books that I've written, you can trace a lot of that uh, back in some way or form to some blog posts that I've written at some time. Um, so, I mean, that's it. If you just, if you commit to creating content frequently, consistently, then, um, yeah, hopefully you'll be able to compile it or reuse it for for some other project 
down the line, right? Even my YouTube videos, like I reuse a lot of my YouTube videos for a lot of different, like we're doing a, um, our strong onsert right now, right? And one thing we do in that is we, we review techniques. So I just like literally pull up my old YouTube videos and I just record over them and dissect them from another angle. So I'm reusing content I already have, but adding something kind of new and interesting to it. Mm -hmm. That's very good insight right there. Uh, and let's talk about the strong on certification. Um, sure. Please. I mean, I think I signed up for it a couple, a couple years ago. I was going to do it in person back in Philly with you. Uh, and it's cool. You're doing it. You're doing it virtually now, right? Yeah. This year anyways. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's amazing. And when is it taking place? It's happening right now. We're in the middle of it. Oh I mean, not like not like this very second, but it's actually over. It's a little longer than a month now. So, you know, we were taking what would be three very long days of in-person stuff. And now we've just made it a number of just online sessions and modules and stuff like that. So it's it's more spread out. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good way of looking at it. More digestible, too. Right. A hundred percent. Right. So, yeah, we have a mix of live sessions, recorded training modules, lots of cool stuff. So, yeah, we are literally about probably about halfway through right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I, um, good for you for doing that. That's, that's fantastic. Um, this virtual world is so awesome how we can affect people remotely. And like you said, use stuff you already created. That's of good content and good quality, repurpose it. And, um, because I, I know a lot of people out there every day, they wake up, I got to create something new. I got to do something for Instagram or what have you. I'm like right. doing that and put it on YouTube. I get, YouTube is the second biggest search engine. YouTube is great. I mean, like I've got my, it's, it's like a dirty little cheat for Instagram, but the ease, like if you want to just like do it for social media, it's like hilariously, um, shameless how well this works, but you like tweet something mm -hmm. and then you take a screenshot of your tweet and you put that on Instagram, right. As like the picture. And like, if it's a decent tweet and you made a decent point, people will like it. So like, that's a great example where it's like, you, you don't have to double your workload, right? Like you just, and it's just, it makes me laugh because it's just like, it's almost cartoonish, like what you're doing. Right. But, uh, Hey, if the people benefit from it, who am I to object? It saves me time. So there we go. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I appreciate that. Like, like you, for me, it's YouTube. I'll take part of the clip or the whole clip and put it on Instagram because Instagram to me is almost an afterthought. And I know it's probably not for a lot of people. They like live and die by Instagram, but I don't make money off Instagram. No, it's too fleeting. It's too yeah. superficial. Um, YouTube, I agree, is much more substantial. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Instagram for me is like, it's like play at tea time. It's not yeah. a serious part of my business. I'll go on, I will do. Um, and when I do stuff on Instagram, again, I, I repurpose or I use it for other things. So, you know, I get a lot of like questions on Instagram and stuff like that. And um, you can answer them a little bit, you know, Instagram's limited, but sometimes we get some good stuff and that turns into a podcast episode, you yeah. know, or, or whatever. So, you know, everything's connected, right? Mm -hmm. It is. And I, and I, hopefully everybody listening to this who does create content, learn about repurposing your content, make it evergreen, unless it totally sucks like my Egyptians, then redo it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, there's some stuff that just can, can really, uh, I'll give another tip for content creators out there. It's like, Focus on creating at least a couple flagship things, right? Like a like a flagship um, video or a flagship article or a flagship podcast. And if you are an online marketer, then this can be a very wise strategy. Flagship meaning like very high quality. It presents your brand well. It's gotten good response from the audience. And then just advertise the crap out of it, right? Um, that's what I do. So I've got like 
I don't know, maybe five to 10 different like flagship things that I think, okay, if somebody lands on this and they've never heard of me before, they're going to get a good um, presentation of what my brand is. And they're probably going to know pretty quickly of whether or not they want to hang out with me uh, for longer. And I just, I just advertise those flagship episodes, videos, podcasts on, uh, you mostly Facebook and Google and stuff like that. But that, that's an idea where just something can kind of be useful in perpetuity, right? So rather than just creating new content all the time, just focus on creating some really good pieces of flagship content and then advertising it to, uh, relevant people. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very helpful advice. And coming from Pat Flynn, <laughs> that's big. So take heat, do that. Uh, that's great advice. Pat, is there anything else you want to cover? We've, we've ah, this is a this has been a ton of fun, man. A uh, ton of fun. I'm looking forward to the Golden Eye tournament. Um, that's gonna be that's gonna be important. That's gonna be mega. Oh yeah. Uh, and but I, other than that, other than that, man, it's always a joy chatting with you. And I hope I hope that uh, the gentle listeners get some some good decent usable ideas from these conversations. Mm-hmm. Oh, they always do. I get such good comments and feedback from this uh, via email, via via text, uh, even on YouTube. People comment so. No, it's, it's very helpful. That's why I keep having you on. <laughs> Great. I'm always happy to do it. And if, if people play around with the swing, swing, other thing routine, I'd be very interested to hear what they come up with because I'm having people comment and email me of their variations on that. So I'd be uh, – would love some feedback. Mm-hmm. Oh, I dig it. Um, This morning I did uh, swing, swing, and then waiters carry, overhead carry, if I call it. And um, and then I, after the fourth or fifth round, I did swing, swing, um, push-up. Real That's sweet. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. so swing, swing – carry it swing swing carry it love it it's beautiful yeah you're the man pat well thank you for your time and uh pat flynn uh chronicles of strength on instagram and uh website chronicles of strength he's on amazon he's got like four thousand books he's written so far and they're all good i have at least half of them uh (laughs) so uh get practicing n64 i let hot dog know that she's got some uh a strong competitor coming this way coming up always a joy sean thank you so much my pleasure. And in Gamer.com podcast listeners, viewers, all you guys, um, leave some comments. Ask some questions for Pat for the next time. And until next time, take care.